0: Welcome back to episode three of the Unlearned Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Fee. And today we're speaking about how mental health is tackled in modern society and whether we're doing a good job at it. And we're going to cover this in three kind of topics that we've come up with. Firstly, medication versus meditation. Secondly, psychosis versus spiritual awakening. And thirdly, hospitalization versus imprisonment tackling these three things and debating what direction society should go in, the place that we're in now, and Fee's going to give her personal experience on these topics as well. So Fee, please kick us off.
1: So the first thing I want to say is that the real um, agenda or, god that sounds terrible, um, aim and hope behind this podcast is to raise awareness about the kind of two-sided, um, nature of mental health and how um, we're kind of misleading you from the start by saying psychosis versus spiritual awakening because it can simultaneously be both and so when it comes to treatment and care Um, I think part of the way to better understand people and to better help people with mental health problems is to really understand that there's two things going on at the same time. So when it comes to the third point, for example, imprisonment versus hospitalisation, someone can simultaneously experience both emotions, experience the emotion of feeling safe and looked after in a hospital and feeling, well, like they've been sectioned, they've been outcasted from society and put behind pretty much i mean behind doors you know um so that's like the kind of main point i want to start with is that although this looks like a debate and it is a debate at the end of the day both sides are valid and both sides need to be considered when we look at treatment plans for the future
0: yeah agreed okay good intro all right so let's start off with the first thing um medication versus meditation Mm -hmm. um okay so if we see this as two things that are at opposite spectrums of each other where would you say your line is
1: so one thing that i described the other day to my yoga teacher is that i actually feel like um, what's much more relevant than medication versus meditation is the people in my life and the roles that they have in encouraging these different dimensions of me um, so I would say the spectrum goes between professionals that are very by the book, and spiritual um, practice practitioners who are very by God. And for me to feel well, I have to be balanced in the middle. So medication is down there, and meditation is down there, and I'm doing well if I'm in the middle. Um, so for example, my doctor is very on the medication. Then my mom is quite close to the medication. therapist is close to the medication than my mum actually, I'm in the middle, my dad's on this side, my yoga teacher's on this side and my friend's on this side and I think Jess would be really interesting to hear where where you would put yourself on that spectrum. Um, Mm. Just before we hear from you I just want to say that um, it's taken me a long time to come around to medication and looking at the withdrawal impacts of medication, looking at the side effects of medication, there's a hell of a lot of reasons why people are anti it. And I completely understand being anti-medication. It is essentially, medication is the wrong word because it's not healing you, it's numbing you. It's altering your mind. So really it's a drug, really it's a pill. And um, for me, that's been helpful because it's helped me be able to be more responsible for myself because I have ADHD, bipolar and complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm quite flighty and I'm quite all over the place. And for example, Ritalin, which is a drug that I take, helps me to sit still, helps me to be engaged in this podcast. And I think that's really commendable. I think that's really helpful. I'm very grateful to my doctor. I'm grateful to God for, you know, giving us these instruments, these mechanisms. Um, But at the same time, I know how useful meditation would be. I know how I feel when I get into a yoga studio and I do two hours of hot yoga. I mean, and that kind of healing is much more intrinsic it's much more to the core and if you continue practicing that kind of thing I believe it can work a million times better than medication because it's natural and because our body can heal itself and believing it can't is disempowering so before I go into my story I'd love to hear Jess's standpoint on first of all where she puts herself on my spectrum and second of all how she has knowing me for like maybe 12 years I think at this point seen medication help me or heed me um so yeah over to you
0: yeah um for you I wanted you to take it because I think it helps you and like you said it helps you have a place it helps you function in this society Mm -hmm. it helps you yeah sit still for this podcast It, it helps you be more engaged and more here kind of like eye to eye if that makes sense but in mm. general if someone was to ask me without you being my friend if where I was on the scale I would say I'm more on the meditation side because I don't know seeing all seeing everyone you you know talking to you about all your friends that were in hospital talking to you about all of your experiences seeing my family seeing everyone I know that has gone through this kind of stuff I don't know anyone that medication has solved everything for them Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm not fully on that side and and then on the other hand you know I'm really into this alternative like when you were debating whether you should go on meds I was researching so much and I am personally very passionate about this topic and like I told you about all the diet stuff online anyone interested check out Michaela Peterson's podcast um she's insane and she had in really severe depression, starting, I think, from, like, a really young age, her whole teenage life until 20, as well as many health problems, like autoimmune diseases. um, Everything was wrong with her, basically. And then she went on an all-red-meat diet, and within two months, her, like, insomnia went. Within a month, her anxiety went, and within five months, her depression went, or something like that. And so many people have followed this trend, and it seemed to work. I'm not like advocating that this is the only way, but I really think that the the mental health industry is really not paying attention to that. Like when you were in hospital, I didn't like that no one was paying attention to what you were eating. It felt yeah. like you were very left alone to your lifestyle. You were being treated as in you were having groups and you were having therapy and you were having yoga and meditation and all these things were on offer, which is great. And it should be like that. But your lifestyle was not in control, I think. And it wasn't... That's that's the foundation of who you are as a person, your lifestyle, isn't it? And I, I don't know. Do you agree with me on that or not?
1: Well, one thing that they just don't monitor at all in there, for example, is that sugar fuels mania. And if anyone didn't know that out and there, it, sugar yeah. makes you more manic. And they have um, coffee dispensers with espressos, hot chocolates that people are just drinking like water. And you know everyone 's running around like headless chickens because they're completely high on sugar, yeah um, you know when you go into a hospital, I think you should have your meals planned like a week in advance they They should have them personalized i mean it's expensive enough that they can have it personalized to each person, and they should be monitored, not just the eating disorder unit because your meals should be planned with your doctor, you know what do we need to make sure you're eating, and you should leave that hospital healthy and maybe having lost some weight maybe having gained some weight depending on what you need to do but to me that's the most significant fact you eat three times a day your body needs food it needs water um you know i was completely left to abuse my meals in that place
0: yeah especially
1: the first time i was there i was so depressed that all i wanted to do was eat crap and it probably made me worse
0: yeah exactly though and no and no one was saying anything and of course it's not really You don't have the capability to be responsible for that when you're there. It just shocks me that it's not even a minute segment of the treatment plan. Like, Mm. I don't get it. It's literally what we're putting into our body, which affects our brain. I I don't get it.
1: I think that some parts of the medical, I was going to say healing industry, but that's not what I mean. The medical, mental health industry... Are still very Victorian and very outdated. I mean, we've yeah. only just stopped electro, mag- electric, electric shock treatment and I think they still do it at some places. Um, actually, one of the worst things that happened to me in hospital was me and my friend were sitting on the floor trying to ground and a girl behind us said those two need electric shock treatment and that really hurt me. But I stopped Like a random take. girl? A random girl from the hospital, yeah, a patient, but oh, she was okay. clearly well as well I mean if she was saying stuff like that she was either unwell or just a bitch but um, yeah I mean that mentality is so outdated you know and I just think that links to the food thing just the fact that it's not being considered at all it's a really yeah. good point and it's very saw... far the spectrum because yeah
0: I saw an ad today on Facebook for a new way to cure depression with this band on your head that electric and i was like what is this seriously happening again i mean how outdated like we're already outdated like can we move in the right direction it just we're going so quick fix you know it's just part of the model it's like the whole economic model is being transferred the human is a very slow um thing (laughs) to rebuild and to heal it you don't shock it you know (laughs) you're
1: completely right um, that kind of brings me on to the next point which is like when you said shock it just reminded me of like weirdly the death penalty I don't know why and like because they use the electric chair mm. um, and that made me think about like the difference between a mental hospital and a prison um, oh, yeah, okay. and honestly, yeah like honestly there's a lot of similarities between a mental hospital and a prison especially the NHS ones because they're basically people who are deviants from society that get locked away
0: yeah usually by not their choice yeah um and
1: a lot of people would argue me included that the difference between who gets put in prison and who gets put in a mental hospital is based on your socioeconomic situation
0: agreed, Continue agreed.
1: Because, yeah because if you're having thoughts that are a danger to yourself or others and you have the support to be put in a hospital you'll go to a hospital if you don't have that support you'll take it into action and you'll commit a crime
0: yeah, I I completely agree. So, okay. So if we are moving on to our section of hospitalization versus imprisonment, what would yeah, what would your ideal situation be then though? If if a family can see that something isn't right, something's not good, but the person doesn't really want to do something about it, but the person who's in danger doesn't want to do something about it. So what can you do? If you don't if you don't want to force them into a hospital environment, what can you do?
1: Okay, so before I tell you my answer, which I'm quite proud of, mm. um, I just want to reference when I spoke about topics instead of subjects last, in the last to- podcast, which you should definitely watch, because this is one of those other ideas that I've had that I really think I just need to like email the mayor or something and just get it like done because it's just correct. Um, so <laughs> what I want to say is that in Finland, they have patient oriented therapy. And what happens is when someone gets unwell, the whole family will go to that person's house with therapists and will talk to the person in their own home.
0: Right, yeah, 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 that's good. And they
1: get better, of course they get better. And then the other thing you could do on top of that is you could have optional day therapy where people could go for the day and speak to other, if they wanted the community, speak to other patients, you know, sit in the smoking area and chat and stuff. I would love to have day therapy still. If I could still go into the hospital and do some therapy, I would love to do that. I feel like that's lacking. Um, it is, it is offered when there isn't corona around, but um, the, the main point I wanna make is about this patient, this patient-centered therapy, um, because there's a term called victimization, which is when you take someone who is the victim in a situation, even though the victim mentality isn't great, but just for the sake of a victim, um, and you persecute them and you blame them for the way they're reacting to someone's abuse or someone's accusation or someone's persecution, you blame their reaction and you just focus on the reaction and you say, this is the problem. Mm. So in my case, say I had an argument with someone, um, theoretically, and I reacted by breaking down, crying my eyes out, uncontrollable tears. And someone didn't see the argument, but they just saw my breakdown and they went, oh, she looks like she might have bipolar. Like, that's not a normal reaction. That's victimization.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Fine.
1: So, in patient centered therapy, they'd, they'd look at that and they'd hear the person explain, well, this is what actually happened before that. And that person would be able to express it to the family, express it to the person who'd been, um, Either persecuting them or starting them, depending on how you want to phrase it. Yeah. and uh, and it would clear up.
0: Sorry, I just want to show if someone's going. Um, yeah, okay, so the family has to attend, and it has to be in a safe in you you don't want to take someone out of their home because that's already creating another stressor on them. You have to of
1: keep course. them I in mean, the
0: home. Stressors and add the home values with the family. And yeah, that makes sense. Um, If someone's
1: having a manic episode and you take them away from their family, you put them in a foreign place, you threaten to take their children away from them, how do you think they're going to respond? Of course they're going to exhibit strange behavior.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely wrong. But like, let's, you went to, you went to a different kind of place though, that wasn't like the normal typical hospital where it was mm. like a retreaty kind of vibe, which mm. on initial glance, I liked the look of, and it seemed a bit more modern. Let's talk about that.
1: Well, it's a private hospital, so it's the best of the best. And.
0: Well, it's not it's... a hospital, though, even, is it? Oh
1: my god, sorry, you're talking about the trauma clinic. Okay, um, I'm with you. Well,. That place would have been ideal if it had been more professional.
0: Let's give background on this place we're talking about. It's basically isolated house in the countryside, kind of massive mansion where there's two sections to it, where one is for people who are having meds, they're getting psychiatric treatment, whilst the other half is for people that just need a sense of stability and direction and routine in their life but they're still kept under monitoring and like you have therapy and you engage in activities throughout the day kind of like school it seemed like am I right yeah okay so what so do you mean that by it would have
1: it was imagine you go to school and you don't go to any of your lessons and you just spend the whole time rolling around on the field doing art and dressing inappropriately
0: that's what so I what, did what did you want them to do though to fix that
1: I wanted them just to let me be for a while and I probably would have come around right but they were so concerned by my behavior that they sent me to hospital
0: yeah
1: and that's what makes me ask about psychosis versus the spiritual awakening because honestly i have never felt that euphoric and i've had psychosis before i know what psychosis feels like it feels like the world is falling from your feet and you have a complete lack of reality but this felt like at times it felt like heaven and at times it felt like hell actually Um, one person would like say one comment to me or something and it would just I'd be in floods and floods of tears or a woman would appear the next day and I think she was an angel you know Um, so the fact it was so remote and so like far from society and reality made it really easy for people with wild imaginations to kind of run free And I think the whole clinic went a bit high is what like the nurse said to me, who was taking me to the hospital. It's such a small community that because I rocketed up into the sky, I kind of took the clinic with me and we were all sort of (laughs) on some weird trip. Um, I remember finding out that all of the people who were very conservative and um, kind of like reclusive were like dancing around spiritually, (laughs) like after I left the first place, like, you know, like having like ecstatic dance lessons and stuff, and it was just really peculiar, so yeah
0: interesting, yeah yeah, I don't know. I still like the idea of that place. I kind of mm. like what they were trying to do um mm. i i get I get your point, and I get their point because I can imagine that if imagine you had made some progress or that you were you had had this kind of trip and then you kind of leveled out and you were s- starting to get into the routine, which is, I guess, the other patients there. And then someone else came, you would just follow them, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm, Scratch your
1: head moment. It's, so it's hard. really hard to devise like the perfect um, agenda, but I want to say that When I first went into hospital and I was told to write my treatment plan and they were basically expecting me to say how many times I was seeing my doctor, what medication I was taking, I'll draw it. I did this.
0: Why do you think you would be without medication today? Sorry? Why do you think you would be without meds today?
1: I don't think I'd have a job yeah that's true (laughs) and I think I would probably have suffered with depression when I left the hospital
0: true too I think yes
1: Um, I'll come back to that I just want to show you this so this is what I did so this is mind this is body this is society and I'd put what I wanted them to help me do to take care of my mind, my body, and like my relationship with other people. Yeah. And I'd hand that into them persistently every day and be like, this is my treatment plan. This is my treatment plan. And I'd actually really like that to be a thing. You know, when people go into hospital, well, how are you going to work on your mind? How are you going to work on your body? How are you going to work with your relationships with other people? And, you know, okay, mm-hmm. well, after you leave this hospital, let's help you get onto a six-week yoga course. Let's help you go. Let's get you a personal trainer. Let's... Put you into community music classes you know yeah. so I know that sounds a bit like coaching but why don't they have life
0: coaches in hospitals? Yeah they don't really follow up with that. Um, they no. don't really follow up with you after you left hospital at all. No.
1: And considering you pay £800 a night there but if my psychiatrist or anything ever watches this I really did appreciate your treatment I'm just putting in tips for the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, like a discharge program even if you had to pay for it and it was like an eighth of the price you know 100 pounds a day or whatever for people who can afford that like yeah. that's kind of what the coaching so the coaching that I do now is linked to the hospital like they, they have connections with each other but not everyone does it and if you've been in a mental hospital that's a really traumatic experience like I can't imagine how you just get back to a normal life without a coach a that's therapist the is very
0: different. It's how do they decide that that's the cut-off date. That's always what confused me. When you were leaving, and that you were like, oh, I'm leaving on this day. And I was like, why is it that... Who decided this particular day is the end? You know? how Normally
1: it's when you run out of money.
0: I mean, a what... disaster. Mm. Um,
1: so they could definitely have an aftercare treatment. Why... I think they do, but it's not publicised well and it's not used very often. Um, okay. so interesting if we did a podcast with one of the, like, mental health professionals there and we got their opinion on this.
0: Oh, yes. That would be very like, good.
1: I'll ask my doctor if anyone would yeah. do that. It's, there's Instagram, like, videos that they do, so... That would be really uh,
0: good, yeah. Um, what else
1: would I'm you I'm just think? trying to get my bearings on where we are if we're on institutionalization versus hospitalization. I think we're there, institutionalization versus hospitalization.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Anything else to say?
1: Well, I want to talk about people that get sectioned. Okay. Because there's a lot of like human rights around what it takes to get someone sectioned. Yeah. And um, it's basically if you're a danger to yourself or others, then your family or society can section you. And if you're put into a hospital voluntarily, it can feel like a really safe sanctuary. If you're there under section, it can feel like an imprisonment. And that's the key difference. Same hospital, very different outlook. Um, but I think that I just, the way I want to finish that conversation is by saying that neither of those things are necessary if we were to go the Finland route and do treatment from home because it's too big of a risk for people to feel like they're being imprisoned. Mm. It's, it's not fair. It's a breach against humanity to put someone somewhere against their will and
0: but then, for people
1: to be threatened into that place.
0: Yeah. But then what if you bring someone into someone's home without... See, they constantly... Your mum has a problem. You want to help her. So you have, the right move would be to call someone to the house, like you say, this Finland treatment. But then, Mm -hmm. what if your mum doesn't want that person? What if she insists consistently that she doesn't want anyone to come and then you invite someone and she has a massive panic that someone she doesn't want has come into her safe space?
1: I mean, surely that's not as bad as putting her in a hospital.
0: True. It's the better alternative, yeah.
1: And like, people sometimes can't see how much they need help and that's where you have to override their free will yeah help them the same way that someone might not want to have an operation but they will die without it and so the family makes the decision for them to have the Mm. operation you know
0: yeah so sectioning
1: completely i mean okay okay i have to say that if someone has weapons in their house like kitchen knives and stuff and they're incredibly suicidal maybe they need to go into a hospital so that's where I kind of get a bit confused because I'm I'm more talking about people who go there um like suicidal people generally I think the hospital is the only option and I think they would agree with me on that that they need to be surrounded by 24 care away from weapons but what Mm. I went through a lot the majority of people go through could be resolved another way
0: okay yeah fine so there's a time and a place for immediate drastic care and hospitalization and isolating someone because sometimes we need this but for the most part the problems that people deal with on a large scale are able to be dealt with at home
1: exactly well summarized
0: yeah okay um final words
1: um So I I mentioned a bit about the psychosis versus spiritual awakening and I think that's where I'll just say a little bit about my own experience.
0: um,
1: When I was at university and I went manic, I felt like the universe was um, basically syncing up with me and showing me these different people at different moments that I was destined to meet. And that never really went away. And I still kind of believe that, that like the law of attraction means that I meant to meet everyone I do, but it happened on speed. Like I would be having all of these synchronicities, all of these insane interactions. And it was really confusing because it felt like I kept going down rabbit holes. Um, Mm. And, you know, I thought I believed in gods, goddesses, angels, demons, all of this stuff. Um, But all of those things have, Ring true in spirituality and, you know, angel numbers, you know, like numerology, all of these things. They are ideas that are out there, but somehow they were just coming to me without having learned anything about them. And I think there's something really amazing about that. And I think what happened to me was that when my excitement got better, and I tried to, I'm sure you remember this, Jess, like I tried to tell everyone about these ideas in a really grandiose, egocentric way, I'd get shut down, shut down, shut down because people just couldn't mm. understand what happened to me. How I'd gone from being so normal to suddenly having this kind of messiah complex about me Mm. and that was really depressing because I felt like I had no one in the world I could talk to about these big ideas that I was having Um, and when I got to hospital I found a lot of people who thought very similarly and that's kind of all I really want to say about it is that it just made me think okay there is a part of me that is losing touch with reality but there's a lot of other people who have lost touch with reality in the same way. So did I really lose touch with reality or did I just see another realm? Like, did I just, was I just exposed to something slightly different? And it, and it wasn't speaking the same language as the people who are grounded on planet Earth were speaking. And therefore, it caused a lot of upset, basically.
0: I mean, it is basically just another realm because you're seeing things in a different way. Your brain chemicals are working in a different way. So, obviously, you're going to think and see different things. The same thing is happening to those people that you, you know, you were able to converse in these topics with and were able to find some relatable um, thoughts with, like at yeah. the hospital and stuff, which obviously b- brought you great relief, I suppose. Um, mm. But I just think it's, I, I get what you mean because when you're there and your friends and family all, are worried about you naturally because you once were here and then now you've switched here and then if we give you meds you're suddenly like does what, what does it all mean like it's weird for friends and family to see that but at the end of the day it really is all irrelevant like what you see what you don't I think as long as you have friends and people that you can speak to about that which you found at the hospital then mm-hmm. you do and like I don't know it's I feel a- like I've gotten used to whatever you say I don't At the beginning, it's hard, but then you kind of just get used to it, you know?
1: And I suppose the most important thing for like other people who have been through or going through similar things to what I've been through, for me to say is that never let your beliefs um, take you so far away from reality that you lose touch with the things that really matter that are your friends and family.
0: That's you know, the sad part that's the hot that's that was the hard part for me, I think, because you had all these other interests and other thoughts, which is fine, but it wasn't fine for me because it took you away from me. I didn't have you and you had them the, like these it was just like that was your life, you know, and therefore that kind of took you away from me, and then you weren't able yeah. to give some of you to me, so then I felt sad, you know,
1: yeah, and so yeah, that's my that's my kind of ending message is don't be a spy you know don't think that you're kind of god's gift chosen to overcome the dark empire or anything like that because mm. there's people that love you on earth and that love is so much more precious than being some sort of martyr you know um to and also yeah invasive thoughts i just got the best advice from my therapist on invasive thoughts which is that when you have a negative or disturbing thought come in um like say i want to kill someone then say the opposite so say i love my mom so much and i worship the fact that she's on earth and i'm so blessed and it balances the thoughts out
0: mm. Like, I know that's
1: really random, but I just think it's a really useful piece of advice. Does,
0: thought, does the balancing thought have to be connect- directly opposite to the other one? Or so, can it be anything? It doesn't
1: have to in your mind, but just something that relieves you of mm. that negativity. You know, like if halfway through the school I was like, I want to get up and leave. Then another part of me now would say, but this is really interesting and you're really enjoying this. You know, so stay and go with it.
0: I like that. Yeah. I feel like maybe I've unconsciously done that a few times and it does work it kind of just gets you back in like recheck because usually when you're having these thoughts it's like all the bad stuff talking you know it's the bad stuff of you that's coming up yeah
1: okay how do we end this
0: we end this that's it um
1: yeah
0: thanks for listening guys um and yeah that's it if you have any questions or comments please leave them down below and subscribe (laughs)
1: Bye, guys. So glad I got that off my chest. Peace and love. (laughs) Okay, bye.